This is Think, Flow, Grow with Tamika Kasten-Miller of Ashe Yoga. The season is all about frank, honest, and unedited conversations with friends, oftentimes recorded outside, in the elements, so you might hear a lot of information and background noise, and this isn't about perfection, it's about truth. I hope you enjoy this new season on Think, Flow, Grow. Oh my goodness, it's been a minute since I've recorded. We're recording now. Oh, it's recording? Well, I just started it. Okay. <laughs> I'm intentionally infusing this with some love as I press down. Yes, I infuse the coffee with love. This this episode is officially um, recorded with the help of caffeine, which apparently is not good for either of us because we're pizza kosher. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've, been, I've been toying with the idea of pausing coffee again. <laughs> so we're going to, we're having just a, a series of conversations, but one of the things that I realized, by the way, we are Tamika Kastamiller and- Sharzad Kakashani. And we, um, we're constantly having these super deep conversations and we never record them. So this is going to be a podcast episode of just us having conversation and talking about this. We're starting because of the uh, uh, of this quote. You don't need to step out of your comfort zone. You need to step. You don't need to step out of your comfort zone. You need to step out of theirs. Um, which spurned a whole conversation with me and my one of my teachers <clears throat> about how like the student teacher dynamic in yoga. <laughs> so anyway, and Charles and I were talking because we realized that um, some folks that we, well, I realized that, so I won't speak for you, but mm-hmm. that some folks that I had in my life saw me really, well, I didn't get to see the true dynamic of our relationship until shit got shaken up. Yeah. Also, Lenny Castamiller is here, but we don't know how much of a participant she'll be in this conversation. Hi, I, I'm here, but I'm co-multiplying. <laughs> She's about in to put space. some earbuds in. Oh, okay. I may or may not be involved. You know, I think something that, um, how do I set the stage a little bit? Uh, as a little a little bit of background, I used to manage a yoga studio in Houston for a couple of years. I've been part of the community for five years. And um, so I got to kind of experience it from different dynamics. And one of the, the ways that this particular topic came up in our conversation was kind of ex- experiencing how our roles shift as you take on different um, positions within within the studio is that good for me to keep going yeah okay and so when I started when I started teaching um, there were times when I would walk into the room and it was very much like this feeling of I am here not I mean there's an element of 
I am here to be in service to students, and I and I know I do that. Like I'm here to cultivate this experience and curate an experience for students. So in in that regards, like I do this to be of service, to to be of service to others. <coughs> Um, and to be a steward of this practice, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's one energy level like that we're bringing into it. But there was there is this like weird, maybe not weird, but well, I'll call it a cap. I'll just call it what I think it is, like a capitalistic um, dynamic of like people think that I'm there to serve them. Yeah, like a barista. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or like, like, <laughs> like I'm here to do the thing that they you know that they want, and it was it's so, so weird. Even the saying the it's same. It's so thing, Western. It is really. It's so it's Western. It's so fucking Western. Like, if you were in any, if we were in India, no, but it happens like that too in other places. But the point is, but the thing is, is it's such a, it's such a, it's such a, it's not. I don't know if it's modern. It's kind of like how we've modernized food to where we can have food at any given time of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds like a great idea, but the truth is you're eating either GMO foods or you're <laughs> eating like strawberries that were grown in Argentina sent to yeah. like Turkey pack for cat packaging <laughs> and then cut to the U S it's like by way of China. Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, I'm gr- I'm glad I can get these strawberries all year. And the truth is, is that not all modern uh, constructions are, Good ones, because if in other in to, other lineages or in other areas, the the teacher is the teacher. Mm. This is this is not I just in yoga either. This okay. is teachers in general in the U.S. So are, we this about, way. are we talking about this in frames of yoga specifically, or are we talking about it from like a I don't know dynamic between two people, one who has knowledge of something, and the I think other who is receiving the, that knowledge. I think it's in. I think it's the teacher-student. It's the teacher-student dynamic. Okay, specifically, specifically teacher-student. Okay. All right, because the truth is, we're all teachers and we're all students. Okay, so here's yes. Keep going. He sounds like you're on the. On well, the, go ahead. Because <laughs> so in that regards, we don't have that in the West. Everything is from a consumer standpoint. Of mm. I am coming into this. Granted, it's a studio setting, right? So I'm coming into this building where I am giving you my money and I am here to get this thing from you. It's not like, like yeah. there are some, there are some student teacher dynamics where you show up and the teacher's going to teach you the thing for the day. And like even the stories within the yoga sutras, like, so the yoga sutras, for those of you listening who don't know, is, um, is essentially the philosophy of yoga. It was written about 2,000, 2,500 years ago by either we don't know if it's a person or a collection of people who wrote it. Um, and within it, to describe each concept, there's like different stories and things like that to kind of bring bring home um, the point or bring the point home. <laughs> <laughs> My English idioms are off this morning. <laughs> and, um, and like there's the one where, you know, the student wants to, wants to like get there, wants to learn a specific thing. And the teacher's like, okay, well, the thing you're going to do today is just focus on this one ant. Yeah, like wax on, wax off. Exactly. Wax on, <coughs> wax off kind of thing. And so and that's what you do. And there is a reverence and there, there's a respect for the teacher in that regards of you just, you just, you know, go with that. As opposed yeah. to the student saying, oh, I'm going to go to the teacher that's going to give me the thing that I want. I think it's really interesting, this concept that you bring up of like, the consumption of yoga. And the funny yeah. thing is, is that 
you know, of course, we all know, you know, that that really big podcast that talks about I won't necessarily name it because they haven't endorsed me. Um, but <laughs> but that one podcast, I've stopped advertising for people. <laughs> but there's this one podcast um, that, you know, talks about the problems within yoga, um, which, of course, has become its own um, product, which, which I think is the irony in it, is that just by like talking about how consumption oriented yoga has become, has become its, has become a product. But anyway, whatever, that's just the nature of, it's like everything becomes, everything becomes a product. Everything becomes consumed. Um, because people, that's how people pay bills. Um, but this consumption of yoga thing, I think is really interesting because if, if yoga asana, mind you, we're just talking about yoga asana, the movement of yoga is something to be consumed then the person giving that product in quotation marks is the barista. And, um, and I think, and I, and I, and I will call it Western because Western, Western, first of all, created this concept of cap, the West created the concept of capitalism. The West created, um, this, uh, Ooh, it looks like, uh, Kelly must be here. Oh. So the West created this concept of capitalism and, and the West created this concept of consumerism. We don't see it in other areas. And by West, I mean West of, of Rome, West of Italy. Um, Kelly has joined us. Kelly is a non-teacher, but Kelly is like one of the most yogi people I know. And she's constantly giving me, this is because Kelly is a nature girl, a nature child. So Kelly, we're doing a gorilla podcast today, a podcast episode. Okay. Um, we're talking about, no, you worked at the yoga studio, so you, you've probably seen this. Um, you don't have to participate and you're here in the case that you want to. And if you are going to participate, you're going to have to talk louder. Um, but we're talking about how, um, people started approaching um, yoga as this product. And so the teachers became like deliverers of a product. Mm -hmm. And, and I did not realize this <clears throat> until shit got shaken up, but I'm sure you realize this because you're working at the studio yeah, and people are like, when is like, when is my clap? Blah, 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 blah. Well, like, it's, it's so interesting, like, going seeing it from all the different angles. It's mm -hmm. so interesting. You know, I went from being part-time at the desk to being an assistant manager to being a manager to being a teacher and then to doing all the things, but then switching to only being a teacher and mm -hmm. then also being friends with people and then being conduits and, like, you know, it's just all these different roles. Yeah. And there is something magical that happens within a yoga studio, um, and I'm, we're, we're in Houston, so I can't speak to other cities, but you know, I've heard this over and over again, whether it was the community that we came out of or other yoga <coughs> communities. There is some magic that people feel that they don't get in other places, um, out, like outside of the home, perhaps. And it's because we don't, you know, there is a um, community that's created out of it. And a lot of, I think a lot of times we don't get that community. So these lines and boundaries get crossed because it's like, yeah. oh my God, all these people are my friends now and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And so then when you step into being a teacher or being behind the desk and now you're in a place of service, like you're, it's, we're in, we are in the service industry. But the crazy thing is we're all in place. We're all in a place of service if we're doing life right. 
Right, but I'm talking about it from a capitalist perspective, mm, right? We are yeah. now in the service industry, and we are the servers of this product. Yeah, I just wish that um, we could... I mean, I don't wish. I think that it is, it is necessary to see things from beyond that perspective, because that's not the perspective of the of the overarching yogi. Um, it, it, we shouldn't have to look at it simply from a lens of... Capitalism. We also shouldn't have to look at it not from a lens of capitalism. We should be able to do both because we're, we're if we're if we're yogis, we should be able to be wherever we are and be in our and be in the practice of yoga in terms of all of yoga um, operating from within a, a system that's problematic and still be okay. But that's not what happened. I'm curious as to what your perspective is Kelly for like how people approached this like the studio like how you felt when things went wrong how you felt when things went right like what was that like what was that like speaking on what Shar said there there are two different types of yogis I feel like who would go to practice those who saw it as a community and those who saw it as in the service industry and we're here to provide a service for you. And so I think those who saw it in the community were there to build on their practice on all aspects of life and they were very happy to be there. And people who saw it were there just for, I guess what you would call the yang, were just there for this exercise, saw it as a a different way and they weren't happy. They weren't happy to be there. They were, this is my class, I have to be here for this class. You're pre you're preventing me from getting in this class even though I was five minutes late, even though we have this rule that you're supposed to be on time because that's kindness to everyone is showing up on time. And so you're not in interrupting other people's practice. Well, people are only thinking about themselves. This is my practice. I need to get in. I need to do this. You need to fix this. Mm -hmm. So I see, I could definitely see there's definitely two types of participants in that. Mm. Which which is absolutely not practicing Asteya. Like, uh, there was this one time in which this woman came into class. She was late as fuck, okay? Late. She comes in. I don't think you were working that day. She comes in. She got into the class because, although it was five minutes, she was she had arrived at five minutes um, um, late, but she didn't actually get into the class until like seven or eight minutes. <clears throat> so I was right at the end of my Dharma talk, which I started doing. Which, mind you, people had took it took a transition for people to even accept Dharma talks at the beginning of class. So it's right at the end of my Dharma talk, and she comes in. And there's no spot for her. This is post-COVID, so social distancing is a thing. So she comes in right when we are getting, like literally getting ready to, to breathe. And, um, and she's looking for a spot, so I pointed to a spot. I said, you can set up right here. And she said, well, if everyone will just scoot down, then I can put my mat right here. I said, everyone's not going to do that. <laughs> Um, you can place your mat right here. Um, we're not going to do that because you were late and they were not. And she was so pissed and triggered the entire time. Um, but someone didn't move for her because they saw 
because she saw my face and she knew me well. Um, that was a student who is a, who, who we've been practicing together for a long time, who started taking my classes because we get on well and all of that. But it was it was a whole thing. And what was funny was, what's interesting is that <clears throat> I think because of the Dharma talks that I would give in the beginning, the relationship that I had with students was more student and teacher. Um, because it wasn't like, hey, we got, hey, everyone, like today we're going to, you know, we're going to get funky with oldies, you know, or whatever. There was like a literal Dharma talk that was rooted in a yoga sutra every single week. Um, and people got used to that construct. And this was happening within a hot yoga context. And so anyway, so when the chick came in, I guess she was like, I'm here to get my hot yoga on. And I'm like, and Esteya, like you're stealing from this whole group by asking 22 people to move, to accommodate you when you're the one late and and the and the attitude that she gave the entire time and then at the end of class she left before she, the end of shavasana and i was like oh my gosh like literally now for me um <clears throat> you know i was just like whatever i was deep in my yoga that day like i had to take a big long generous full breath because my inner you know ate on the enneagram my inner like unevolved self was like ready to come out and be like oh you weren't even here on time <laughs> so my teacher had to really step in which by the way students noticed because they were just like i was really pissed off at this woman and i was like look you know like it's a challenging time. We need to be compassionate and yada, yada, yada. And they were like, you were definitely a teacher because I'm not there right now. And I was like, I am. I feel so good about myself right now. But, you know, I, I say all of that to say that I think that those things wouldn't happen if um, if people had more of a, of a reverence for the practice. It's not even a reverence for me. It's a reverence for the practice. Like, arrive on time, be willing to, you know, arrive early, set up, start the yoga, like come into the auspicious space of yoga. Yeah. Once you step into the room, once you step onto the mat or whatever, you know. Well, I also so. think that, you know, it, I think it's, it's happening on all, on all sides and all fronts because on a, so I've started teaching out of the space in the Heights and in setting up that schedule and so oh you should you should advertise for that space oh, okay <laughs> I'm not here to advertise I'm here to have a conversation but I can't be found in places if people need to find me so I started teaching out of this really beautiful space and having been part of a yoga studio setting the thing that happens often is you know we the studio setting is also cultivating students to be like to be churned in and out it's like yeah. you have we have turned a practice into 60 minutes. We have turned it into... Or 45 or, or 30. 45. Oh, I haven't seen 30. Oh, yeah. I've seen 30 online, but yeah. not, not in real life. Like, not in person. Yeah. Um, so we it's, it went from being 90 to, the, to 75 mm -hmm. to 60. So it's a 60-minute class. We have 30 minutes on either side or sometimes 15 to flip the room. And so it's like students are coming in and out. And so we are also cultivating that... that um, um, that churning, that factory type of student. Yeah. And so it's kind of twofold. So oh, I'm, absolutely. And so one absolutely. thing that I real like I realized that last week, <clears throat> as I taught the first series of classes in in the new space, is that um, that 
I don't want that to happen. I don't want people to feel like they have to leave. And so what ha what actually happened in the first two classes I taught last week, and they were small, you know, like two people, mm -hmm. uh, which was beautiful in itself mm -hmm. to be able to like start to create something, you know, really intimate. intentionally and intimate. Yeah, like that. yeah. And so, so what happened is we, <clears throat> we didn't, when the class was going to be, let's say from 6 to 7 p.m., we didn't actually start till 6.15 because we were just talking and you know, I introduced a I introduced a sutra and we talked about it and each person got to share what that meant to them. Mm. And then we started the practice at six fifteen. I asked ahead of time if it was okay I, to go till seven fifteen. Pause. I would argue to say you started at six. Okay. I started at six. Thank you. <laughs> we so we and I was like, Are y'all cool if we keep going and you know, we were starting at sixteen, you're all cool if we go to seven fifteen? They're like, Yeah, of course. We go until seven fifteen and I would they were in a seven and a half minute shavasana because it was timed with the song mm -hmm. and neither of them wanted to get out and then we sat in there because it was as the sun had set so now mm. it's dusk when they're now coming out of shavasana we sat there in basically in dusk and sundown oh my gosh, beautiful. for another 30 minutes and just <clears throat> talked with like the, the outdoor lights and everything shining through which so, which which is when the veil is lifting like that's like it's such an auspicious time yeah for yoga actually like i don't know if you know about this kelly but like dusk and dawn are really are important um times of the day in in yoga concept it's when the veil between like life and death the veil between like the the material and the immaterial is lifted and so they're really um they, they actually even have their own name but it's this time for like Im beautiful things to happen magic to happen i didn't know that actually yeah yeah yeah, yeah and it's we're yeah. gonna talk about it in training but um yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it was really but it was really beautiful and it like i feel like that also shifts the dynamic between two teacher and student mm -hmm. um when there is space to, for relationship for and teaching occur, and for teaching to occur or it's for um, connection to occur mm -hmm. and things like that and it's no one's feeling rushed no one's feeling like they're going to get kicked out and I'm like that's great I want two hours in between every single class this is great mm -hmm. this is great I mean whatever you know you step out of like this financial oh, everything has to be money driven yes. or whatever and then like there's so much more that can be created when you think about value when you think about growth from a from a non-monetary standpoint, that's where all of that can happen. And it's something that can happen right now. So like Mandy Brown, who hopefully will be on the show um, at some point this season, talked about how for the first time really in our lives, we're experiencing true equity um, where anything is possible. Because the, the, the thing is, is, if you look at how um, anything has worked, it's, but especially wellness, you know, ends up being, um, you know, who has the money to start a studio? Who has the money to pay $10,000 a month for a lease? And that's in tech in Houston. Like imagine what it is in New York, right? So who has that type of capital? Who has that type of credit? Who has that type of whatever? And then, and the money for marketing and hiring staff and the whole nine yards, you know, and, you know, as a solopreneur, I mean, it, it I, I can definitely see like, this is how much it costs to run my business. And this is with, you know, low overhead and it's still expensive. 
So, um, but with having the ability to give yoga online and, and to, to truly offer what it is that you choose to offer in a way that makes sense for you, there's true equity now in yoga. To that end, people have an opportunity to find their true students. So, I mean, and find their true teachers. So if you don't, if I don't have loads of overhead, that means that you don't have to pay that much to attend or I can offer, you know, some free opportunity, whatever the case may be. So everyone truly has this opportunity to find their teachers. It doesn't matter if you're in the same city or not because of extension opportunities and all of that. Um, so anyway, to that end, the, what we're able to offer gets to then be true to us as well. So I know here, you know, as a person who, you know, consistently had 60 or 70 people in class in the studio, <clears throat> which becomes this kind of thing, you know, when you're in the, when you're in a studio space, so now having, you know, two to 10 people here um, in their practice, you know, like last night we were, we had two, I had two people in my class. It was gorgeous. You know, it was um, we had a, a legitimate Dharma talk. We, you know, we had like opportunities to really connect and find out the stressors for the week. So then the class then could be tailored to really working those things out, you know, and there's no way you can do that with 65 people, you know? Um, and, and so, but the, the crazy thing is when we started yoga here, you know, I told them, I was like, this is legit. Like, this is, this is how it used to be done, you know, where you would have a, you would connect first and then, and then from, and then you'd have a moment of teaching and learning, and then you're going to work out, work things out in your asana practice. You have time for breath. You have time for meditation. Yeah. All Shavasana is here at least 15 minutes. You know, everything here is ensconced in nature. And so it's, it's been this beautiful thing. And you know what? To that end, the student is different. It's not this person showing up feeling like they are, I bought this, therefore this has to happen. Yes. And, and the crazy thing is, is that like, like I said, I think the biggest thing about all of this is even someone with a lot of awareness, like I feel like I have a lot of awareness, did not see how, um, how consumerist the relationship had become, become between me as teacher and, and, and folks as students yeah. who have become close to me. But the minute things shook out, the minute things changed with the studio, um, you know, those who wanted to continue consuming yoga are still doing it. They figured out ways to do that. But those who wanted to be in a student teacher relationship, they've done that too. Yeah. So in a way people are still getting, you know, what they want and relationships were for sure lost in that. It was, but they were bullshit relationships. Yeah. It was interesting <clears throat> on that relationship point. Like the first time I felt like, like the help, you know, like I, yeah. I am like, that was my role. I was, um, I'd been hired for a, for a private class, private mm -hmm. group class. And I'd gone to someone's house and it was like, and it was for like a group, right? So you have a group of people that are all friends and they're all talking and it's like, do you, do I, 
join into this? Do I not? No one's directly talking to me. I'm just kind of standing on the outskirts. And mm. when we finished, it was like, okay, you're you're done now. You can go kind Ew. of thing. And it was just a really weird – nobody said those words, but there was just this weird thing of like – because I didn't know them personally. Um, it was just like we had you know, met through – I'd met them a couple of times, and it was just so interesting. And I've done a like I've done a lot of privates and stuff here and there, so it's it was just a new feeling. And I was like, oh wow, this is where I am here. You you perceive me as in a particular in a particular I don't know hierarchy, mm. and it's not on the same level as you. <laughs> which is which is really interesting. Um. And I don't know. And like here's a whole other aspect of it. It's like what what's real. Which, what if that is real? Like, I am feeling, just because I'm feeling these things, you say this sometimes, your feelings lie to you. Just because I'm feeling something doesn't mean it's actually true. Because it's not like it's talked about. Yeah, yeah, I definitely am a believer of feelings lie. Um, Because feelings are just a projection, oftentimes, of either unresolved or resolved things, but they're not necessarily reality. Uh They're feeling right, but like so in that regards, that could be my own unresolved something. It about could be what, how I see myself. It could be, and it could have been the truth. <laughs> I mean, your feeling could be like, but like for sure, I've sat there and I've watched the it's way that people you. interacted with Kelly or interacted with you know other people who work at the studio and being treated like a the the that that Kelly that that the that the person at the, the, the per- we used to call um, the person at the desk the love squad because they oh, were yeah. the purveyors of love, you know? <laughs> um, well, that was prior to the change and then they started just calling them greeters. Yeah, oh, even if you're a greeter, you're still, you're still a purveyor of love. You're still greeting people. Um, that's still an important role. That's the person who makes you feel welcomed. Yeah. You know, like I like being greeted. At one point, they, I don't remember who they were. It was before my time, but there were radical change agents. Yeah. Do you remember that? I do remember that, and I think a lot of that was just bullshit. But, <laughs> um, it. yeah, like, I, I just, I don't know. I just remember seeing uh, things from this. I, I remember seeing it from the bird's eye view. I also remember, I also rec- think about, and, 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 and to the audience, um, we're, we're actually here to do some gardening, so we're going <laughs> to we're gonna do it soon. Um, oh, yeah, but I also remember a disclaimer at the beginning, like, oh, we just started talking, we thought we should just hit record. I think I did and something like, yeah, like, we're just going to, we're going to, we're going to chit chat for half an hour <laughs> as we wait for, for Kelly to arrive, we're going to go do some gardening. And, and then we just woke up and we're drinking coffee. We're drinking coffee <laughs> and we're just ch- chilling. But I, I think it's I think it's important for I think it is I would like to say to the yoga student one I would like to say to actually any student be a fucking student be a student like be a student and 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 acknowledge the fact that you're in a learning capacity and 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 that no one knows you anything. Like that was, um, and that's for everybody. Like I remember, I remember um, Kim Pence, energy healer here in Houston, who's been on the podcast several times. You know, when she told me, no one owes you anything, not your child, 
not your spouse, not your friends. No one owes you anything. And I remember like that being really hard to swallow because I felt like, no, my child owes me. <laughs> I kept her alive. I chose to keep her. I, I, I raised her. I fed and clothed her. And she's like, did she ask for any of it? <laughs> and I was like, well, damn, damn, damn. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, wait, so wait, is that the loophole? If she asked for it, then she owes you? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I've got to ask her. But she's <laughs> like, she didn't, she didn't, you gave that. And, and so, but the, but the good thing about knowing that no one owes me anything is that anyone who gives me anything, it's a gift. It's a gift. It's not like an expectation and it's not a requirement from that person. It is 100% a gift. Now, if you come into an exchange, like a contract, like I am hiring you for this, you provide these services. That's a whole other thing, Yeah. but no one owes you anything. And so, and, and to that end, um, like a, 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 the relationship between a yoga studio and a, and a, and a client, mind you, a yoga studio and a client, there's a contract involved. These are the services that are going to be delivered. But when it comes to a student and teacher relationship, there's no contracts. The only thing that you know is that learning is going to happen. And so there, there becomes this differentiation between, like between a teacher the, the, relation, the counterpart relationship with the teacher is student. The counterpart relationship with the studio is client. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to see those differences and to know those differences because this, the, the studio does have, and this is with anything, the studio does have an, an obligation to fulfill what it says it's going to do to clients. But the teachers have not claimed to offer anything for an exchange of whatever. Teachers are in the capacity to, to teach what they know. And what they know can be a lot or little. And then students are in the capacity of learning. Yeah. And that's it. That's the extent, uh, the, extent, the, the extent of that. And I think that if students can just be a teacher and understand that, that they're in that role, and it, be excited about that role. Like, I love learning about being soil from Kelly, who's like our soil expert here at the Ranch Houston. I love learning about why the freak, there are like holes in the leaves and like what I can do to prevent them or cry over the fact that I couldn't prevent it. You know, like. Well, to that end, I'll also add, because your message was to the students, like be, be a student. Yes. You know, and to that, you know, I'll also add to the teachers, if you are a teacher of any kind, if you're, if you're a, te a yoga teacher, specific, like, especially in this context, teach, don't just like go in there and teach your students something new, go in with a mm -hmm. plan, go in with not just a set sequence, like teach something. Yeah. Which means you have to also be a student. I was just about to say that. <laughs> like, also be a student. We also like, that's part of our role is to continuously be a student. And for those in supporting roles, like greeters and love, love squad members or whatever, understand that they're a part of the facilitation of that experience. Not a freaking waiter. <laughs> it's not okay. Like they're part of, helping this experience come to life for people. And I mean, I wonder, you know, I don't know, but you enjoyed working there. So 
um, wh how, how did, how did it, how did the gap get bridged for you for liking working there versus the people who looked at you like or talked talk to you like a crazy person? What, what made it worth it for you? The majority of the people were there, were practicing yoga and mm. were in a good mood. And this is where they came to celebrate themselves or mm. just, you know, get their workout on, get their gin on, do whatever they needed to do just to be better themselves. So they were happy to see me because they're like, you smile, you make me smile. I'm going to go into this juicy, lovely practice and it's going to be great. So being part of that experience for people was just really awesome. It was just an awesome experience. And it's a, it's a, in a lot of service industry, it's how can I fix a broken, what, something broke and let me mm. fix it for you. This is presented more as this is what I have to offer you. Let me help you with it. Mm. Not let me, this is me how to how do I alleviate some of the discourse that was caused by your day you know like mm -hmm. this is you know like mm -hmm. I'm not a customer representative where I'm or sitting there on the phone where you're complaining to me I do get those but the majority of it was just people just super happy to be there and that really made my day yeah and, and and interestingly, you weren't there at the end um, to to actually see the abject fuckery that did happen um, for the last like you know post COVID um, when people were losing their damn minds and just you know going off on um, studio managers because of such circumstances that they themselves could not um, handle or whatever and. You know, just kind of understanding that everyone was in a stressful moment and no one really knew what was coming next. Um, I remember watching our studio manager just like finally, I, it was so hilarious one day. She was just like, look, this is what I can do. I can cancel you now or I can cancel you later. Which one do you want? <laughs> like, because she was so over it. She just didn't have anything left. Like at some point, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still cracking up at abject fuckery. Oh my god, it was, it was, I, I was, I, you know, we I just. Had, we had so many waves, we've had a lot of waves of it. Yeah, we have, yeah, we have. And I'm just like, y'all, every single, every single challenge is an opportunity to practice the yoga off the mat. You know, what, what are, why are you learning what you're learning? Yeah. Why? Like, is it is it to like literally for months? I just was like, why are you here? Are you here for a a sexy waistline? Is that literally your only motivation to being well, in a yoga class? Well, here, that this is the thing, though, right? Is that not we, you, and I, but like the general community has also turned our students into that because not everyone was teaching from the sutras. Not everyone was teaching what the actual yoga is. Not everyone is offering, hey, here's a concept and a philosophical inquiry point and then inviting them to take it off the mat. Can you imagine actually hearing, here's a philosophical inquiry point to begin Ask your class? Like literally never. <laughs> That's the thing. And so, yeah, it's so easy for you or I to say, hey, this is your opportunity to practice your yoga off the mat. But, like, how many students were actually offered that teaching? Yeah, because teachers are only going to teach what they know. And when you have, like, the majority of of yoga in the U.S. being informed by Baron Baptiste or Bikram Chaudhary, then, then that's what you're going to get yeah. is, is exactly what ended up happening. Well, I think also or, they... 
they have not only did they have that, they had those workout classes. So you had those yeah. people who yeah. definitely weren't there for yoga yeah. and their practice off the mat. I think the workout classes were the worst thing that ever happened to all yoga studios. <laughs> Commingling a workout class in the same space as a yoga space ends up transitioning the feeling of the of the studio in general and for sure it attracts a, a client that is um, a very specific client who mind you can be a still mindful um, um, client can still be a yogi and it still transitions the space to being the space for a good workout how do you delineate those spaces like this is a workout class this is a yoga class when there are elements of of yoga asana in that workout class and and then there's a shavasana at the end and it's just like it's it's confusing for the i would imagine it's confusing for the student and we never had problems with people skipping shavasana until those classes were introduced i distinctly remember that change so i mean yeah it changes the the context of the stuff, of course you're going to have people coming in yeah. for, well, I get a good sweat in this workout class and I get a good sweat in hot yoga and it's like, yeah. hmm. But in some, I think, um, yeah, I think that both students, so students and teachers both have in anything, mind you, oh, before I end some, mind you, this is something <laughs> that hopefully people understand doesn't just relate to yoga I mean if we're if we're looking at education right now you've got parents who are like pissed off at the way that education is happening you've got students who are like I know I can't learn in this capacity and then you have and then you have teachers who are like bruh I'm doing the best that I can that's in the middle of it all and the truth is is that not not even 50 years ago the responsibility of the of the formation of the child would have been in the house oh, that's right. and so and teachers supplemented what how that child was being educated and now and because of capitalism because of of corporatizing everything now teachers are supposed to teach the kid, raise the kid, help the kid become a better human, all these other things. And and when the tables have the, and when the opportunity for that to go away, parents are like, this is bullshit. I have to do all this work. I have to do this. I don't have time for this. I'm working. And it's like, this was your role. This has always been your role. The problem is that you stepped out of your role and asked for teachers to step into that role. And now that COVID has taken that away, you're having to, you're being forced to go back to the way that educating a child has always been because the privilege of having someone else do your job is gone. And that's going to piss a lot of people off. And I said what I said. I mean, the thing is, is that the truth, the, the, this has been what it is. It is not the teacher's fault that parents have chosen to work 40 to 80 hours a week at a job and have expected for teachers to come in and be parents to their kids. That is not the teacher's fault. It's not their responsibility. And so now you have students who are like, I can't learn in this environment. And the truth is, is when they're in college, they're going to have to do just that. 
So are we not setting, are we, are, are all of those kids quote, not, not college oriented, which is another lie that's been sold by <laughs> the elite class to keep kids out of continuing education. You know, like, no, it just means that you've got to figure out another way. The, and, and no, the, the whole, and as I continue to just rant for a second here, the whole reason why people are losing their minds is because we haven't had to, we've had so much privilege. We haven't had to pivot. You don't have to pivot if you don't, if you don't have, if you don't have challenge. So like, if you don't have, now that people, everyone has a challenge, everyone has to be forced to pivot. Those who are not used to pivoting or have no grit or have very little resilience are the ones losing their minds right now. And it's like, fuck, we're six months in, dude. You still haven't figured out how to pivot a little bit? God damn, like two degrees, pivot two degrees, not even two degrees, pivot like, there's some folks who pivoted 90 degrees or 180 degrees. Like it's time to move on in this current context and figure your shit out. So it's the same, it's the same thing because those same, you know, that same person that doesn't want to do their own work is the same person who doesn't want to do their own work. It's the same person yelling at me for them being late to class. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. It's like, you were the one late. <laughs> You were the one late, like, <laughs> so, you know, so F, uh, shout out to all the school teachers out there. So we're clear, dude, I'm so sorry. Like, I can't, I cannot even with this. I mean, everyone is doing the best that they can. And the teacher is in a relationship with the students, not with, the the not doing the job of the parents like cut teachers some slack anyway that was my little side note rant but i just had to go there shortly briefly because it was important but anyway we're going to go ahead and wrap up so we can start gardening um but i will i will end with this um one of the things that i have learned from just from this experiment, which is the ranch Houston and building a giant garden with Kelly Lawless, um, with lots of help from our volunteers, including Shars and other yogis who are infusing this land with their love, is that um, we have to embrace the spirit of growth mindset and the spirit of being a student um, we have to embrace impermanence and non-attachment. Um, we have to embrace these concepts of um, not pushing and not pull, not pushing away and not clinging, um, which cause suffering. You know, these are the concepts of division raga. You know, um, because the truth is, is that even though we're in a COVID moment in history we've always been presented challenges and we're always going to be presented. Um, we're always going to lose things that we love. We're always going to um, miss out on opportunities that we thought were there for us. We're always going to move on from our teachers. We're always going to um, 
become teachers and and remain students. We're always going to do all those things. And the more we resist that, the more we are resistant to just being in an experience. I'll quote, I think it's Yoga Sutra 2.2 on charge. You probably know better than me, <laughs> which is the experience is for the, the experience of the scene is for the seer. If the more that we just acknowledge and we accept that we're all having an experience and the experience is for the experience of, of our own selves, our higher self, then we can then consistently be in growth mindset, student mindset, relationship mindset, and we're more likely to let things go and bring things, invite things in. So to everyone listening, I really hope that that you'll take an opportunity to shift today. Just take an opportunity to shift in the mindset of like these hardwired lines because they don't exist. They're all made up. They're all made up constructs. And the experience of whatever experience we have is for your experience. So. I'll end on that note. Um, I'm very grateful to Shars, who is on the struggle bus with her allergies. <laughs> and um, Kelly, we're going to go put our hands in soil and learn some things. Um, yeah, and take some time. So uh, I don't know if a meditation will follow. We'll see. You have to stay tuned um, because I don't know. The whole this season could be totally different. It might only be done with other people. We'll see how it goes. But thank you guys so much. If you want to know more about um, what we're doing, um, Kelly and I are building the Ranch Houston here in South Houston, which is where we bring together art, yoga, um, community, and gardening to help people reconnect with their inner child and to cultivate curiosity. Um, Sharzad is creating consci her conscious space at Tachara, uh in, in the Houston Heights, where there are classes and other events that are happening there um, in the Heights area. And, um, and Lenny, who popped in for just one second, um, is uh, the, the creator of the Mill HCX, which is a function of the Ranch Houston where um, art helps to reconnect people with their creative side. Um, and uh, you can find me, of course, uh, on YouTube and on Patreon. Um, if you'd like to have things delivered to you directly at patreon.com slash Tamika Kasten Miller, um, Ashe Yoga Life on YouTube and on Instagram at diva underscore transcending. Um, I'm hopeful that we will all continue uh, growing together. And it is always my goal to leave you better than I found you. And I hope that happened for you today. Namaste, y'all. Namaste. Namaste.